ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into another edition of Infection Podcast. We cover the uh, latest in and around the video game industry with a little bit of a common sense political twist here and there. My name is uh, Nick Craig. You can follow me on Twitter at Nicholas M. Craig. Check out my website, nickcraig.com, or our website, infectionpodcast.com. Can't do this thing alone, however, to uh, try and uh, survive little wink wink yes. our uh, this crazy world we're living in right now politically in the video game sphere brian with an eye alter yes. hey brian hope, hope all's well oh everything is going much better if you can tell my voice is sounding more normal uh so hopefully that continues if you want to find me of course you can find me at boise computer on twitter or at brian aldridge and gab parlor get a true social uh hey so let's uh what do you want to jump into first we've got some crazy topics i know exactly you want to talk now. Okay, let's let's jump in because this it's is over, that's Brian. pretty big news. Yeah. It's over. E3 is over. Video game conventions yep. are over. In-person yep. stuff is over. For there are some things that just will not recover from from COVID will be the nail in the coffin on some things. Now, let's yep. let's be totally transparent here and set the stage in context. E3 was already a dying breed prior to 2020. You already had Nintendo pulled yeah. out years ago. Microsoft and Sony had scaled back significantly and pull, had pulled out. But then you had two years of no-show. Then last yep. year, kind of this weird hybrid thing. And uh, we covered last week that Microsoft said they wouldn't be on the floor at all. So not only are they not doing a keynote, hell, they're not even going to have a booth. And um, this story is out today. Ubisoft, which was one of the only groups left yep. that was taking part, the French uh, gaming company, is uh, skipping. They joined the list of Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, and uh, now it is literally EA and uh, Devolver Digital, <laughs> the PC yep. gaming company, and uh, that's it, I guess. Right? Everybody else is gone. And, but that's Ubisoft's going to be gone. doing yeah. their own, and that's kind of what Microsoft has been doing. Yep. Uh, a lot of these companies have realized that, first of all, you can do a lot of it online. You're, you're actually reaching your your audience more directly. Because look at the people, uh, just to be honest, look at the what conventions have become. Have com We've gone to a, a, now a decent number of conventions. Experts. I've seen yeah. the atmosphere that is there. Is it really about video games for the people that are going to these conventions? For most of them, it doesn't seem to be. A lot well, of it is some social club that has to do more about, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it was a bunch of groups of, of gay groups. And I mean, that was the majority of what we saw promoted there outside of video games. Right. The, the, I mean, they had the, the diversity lounge you had to walk through. I mean, they had everything else. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> they, they had everything else except for now, video games being the primary focus. Now, hold on a second here. In... These things always have been social events, right? The whole point of these things have always been to go and hang out with your buddies. That's what every work style uh, business trip has been for the last 40 years, you know, so that you can go hang out yeah. with your buddies and whatever. And then you see a guy like this, you know, hanging it, out. It, it you don't know really, you, you don't know I what's happening. I have a happening. huge bag of those out in the living room. I, right. I'm sure you do, Brian. Uh, <laughs> mangoes, they're sweet and tangy and they're a great snack. But these oh, things yeah. have always been more hangout social events. And as, let's be honest, as the economy, this isn't a recent thing. Over the last 15 years, 10, 15 years, the economy has shifted uh, dramatically. A lot more sales are being done online. There is less of a need to have a physical presence. You can look at companies like Amazon and eBay and, and all the great success that they've had. So if you're any of these major companies, Microsoft, Sony, Ubisoft, do you really want to dump a couple of million dollars into a, a, a convention when the reality yeah. is you're probably not getting a whole hell of a lot out of it? And the answer is no, uh, especially in yeah. a, a place like Los Angeles where it's crazy expensive. You're, I guarantee you Ubisoft yeah. is not getting Doing in and out of there. L.A., with their whole thing, with their whole team, for under a million dollars. They can't be. There's no way they can put those people up, build the stage, do the presentations, fly the... There's no way they're getting in for under a million bucks. No way. Well, and, and we've talked about this before. They've catered so much to one political type of a person that's the person who's the least likely to now 
post-COVID, go yeah. to a public place. I mean, just look what happened with that furry convention and the uproar that people have and, the, you know, like panic that people were not going to have to get tested and wear masks and do all these things all the time. Uh, you, you have the exact same thing. When we went there, did did you feel at home like you were surrounded by a bunch of gamers? I mean, did well, that, I, was I, that the atmosphere? I was surrounded I'm not, I'm by not, a bunch not of talking gamers. With gamers with a Y. I'm not talking <laughs> with Y. With people that actually play video games. Okay, that was at the atmosphere that you felt. It, so it was yes, yes and no. I I do see where you're trending with it. Is it became more of a social justice con than it did seemingly yeah. a video game con. Where I didn't feel as comfortable there because if, if I I couldn't go talk politics openly out in the in the the hall and but say hey here's what to. I think. Well, I know, but they do. But I'm yeah, saying well, is it's, that's true. Uh, you're they're allowed to sit there and preach it and wear pins have whole rooms you have to walk through preaching their point of view, this forcing you to walk through it just to get the convention center. And it's a place that I don't feel like I could even, we, we struggle with, we can't even really go to a convention now. Right. Because well, what we would be attacked <laughs> if we said, here's, and, and if we wanted to go interview somebody and actually ask a little bit of a political question, there's no way that any person that's that's representing a company there would have the nerve to talk anything somewhat controversial at a, at a convention like that. It's funny you bring that up. Uh, in a, one of our private uh, chats, we were talking to a couple. We were talking to the to the OG uh, uh, PAX folks. It was Green Man, Sean, yeah. Lance, Brian, and myself. And uh, Green Man said, "Hey, you know what's going on? We going to PAX West in September, and everybody's all jumping for joy." And I said, "Hold on a second. PAX East literally just wrapped up this past weekend." They still have a mask mandate. Anybody that attends yeah. the convention has to walk around in a mask the whole freaking time. So the answer yep. to that, and we decided no. So we're going to go somewhere else. These things are, Brian, it's over. Yeah. These, these, go, these yeah. groups are so entrenched in progressive politics that they still have a freaking mask. The hospital system here, Brian, Novant Health, hospital system, dropped their mask mandate today. This is a freaking yeah. hospital. And these... Yep, jagoffs over at PAX still believe that they need to have a mask mandate. Even the, the furry mask, con is, is more reasonable than PAX, Brian. The furry con. Yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> I, and that's I'm basing a lot of my perspective of what I see based on PAX because we went to PAX and it's just so obvious. I mean, they're wearing their political beliefs on their sleeves, literally, everywhere they go, and it just it it was very obvious. All the people that work there as the enforcers, is that what they called them? The enforcers. The enforcers. Oh, and yeah. a majority of, the, of anybody representing any of it was all representing one political side to where if I sat there and said, well, I want to volunteer to be enforcer. Um, okay, but, you know, let me, uh, let me wear my Donald Trump hat. They'd be <laughs> running me out the door, right? But they can wear everything and, and, and preach and, and push all of their political views because it's, it's a, an echo chamber over there. And that's the frustrating part is I just don't feel welcome at a place like PAX. And now it's biting in E3 and now it's biting them all in the butt because all of those crazy politics of, oh, we're going to die because of COVID and you should go, you should be locked up because you're not masking in a place and you're putting my life at risk. Uh, all those people are now unwilling to go out in public and to support your cause because those are the majority of the people that you allowed into your convention. Yeah. It's it's definitely it's it it I think it um obviously it is not the root cause right Pat, these things were already no. kind of trending down but they I think accelerated that, that was the nail the in the coffin <laughs> yeah and and I do think in the next I mean at this point I don't know in the next I don't know if this is book worthy or not Brian but in the next two years three years if E3 doesn't shift to a totally digital event with no major players being there, I don't know how they're going to be able to justify, you know, because, but it's not like it's free for them to put the event on. They have to spend millions of dollars themselves renting the Los Angeles yeah. Convention Center to have this whole damn thing. So I don't know how, with all of these big guys gone, who, by the way, we're also paying to be part of this, with them all gone, um, I don't know how. Pa I don't know how. You're saying you think in the next two years or the next two conventions? No, I, I'm sorry. Let me E3. So when is E3? Is normally it's normally later in the year, right? Yeah, it's in. Yeah, um, let me see. I think it's in this. It's in the winter. Um, 
October. No, I don't know when it is. Whatever, whenever E3 is, give me two more after this one. So whatever that would be. Two more E3s so after. So let's just say E3 2025. Sure. Right? Not, uh, yeah. Yeah, E3 2023. This will be 2023, then 2024, 2025. So after Correct. 2025, E3 2025. I think by that point, it's digital only. Because there's nobody there. Okay. I mean, there's just, there's literally, it, so it takes place in June. Yeah. So it'll be June, June. Of I don't know how they won't be completely digital by then. It makes no sense to have it in person. Now, PAX, on the other hand, a little bit of a different thing. Theirs is a little bit less of a press event, more as it is, you know, for those studios, it was them to kind of more interact with the community. Press wasn't yeah. that big of a deal, unlike where, what it was at E3. But, um, so those will continue because the board gaming and all that stuff is, is is a really prominent part of it. But it seems like the video game side of that stuff uh, is is slowly slowly fading away. So uh, Ubisoft is done. That leaves uh, EA the last last big one to do a keynote. Um, and we'll see. I mean, there's still plenty of time between now and June if they decide they might they might either capitalize on it or say screw it, we're not going to bother with it either. Um, so well, we'll the thing and in here they they take note. EA hosted what they called EA Play Showcase in days leading up to E3 in 2019, and it wasn't even a part of the convention. Yeah. So they're, they're in a, a place to even just say, well, we'll do something that kind of is pre-E3 and not even be linked to E3 whatsoever because as, as these other ones can do, they could do something where it's just online, where they're showcasing their products, their upcoming things. That'll be press releases. You know that all of the major, uh, well, Kotaku's and PC gamers, the, the, the press of video games, will turn around and report and share all those links and make articles about it just the same as they would if they were coming down and sitting down with one of your people. And you could even do online interviews, you know, if they wanted to record it, all that stuff because of, of the prevalence of streaming and easy to do meetings online, just like we're doing right now. You could totally do all of this and have plenty of content to do articles and any whatever kind of news without having to have these PC gamers ship anybody out. I mean, it saves everybody money, and you get the same content in the end. Really, I mean, look, we went to to PAX, and most of those people never left the uh, the lounge. The, yeah. A lot of those guys were just sitting back there writing and talking and messing around and messing on the Wi-Fi. They're like, oh, I got to go do one interview today, and then they walk out and do their interview, uh, and then come back. Like there wasn't really anything different than what they'd be doing. E3 and specifically E3 is a holdover of days past. And obviously I know E3 hasn't been around forever, but it is the it is the large convention of the 70s and 80s that were prevalent in every industry, trade industry across the, the country. I mean, you had these, and they, there still are a lot of them. There's still these massive yep. trade shows that take place mostly in, in Vegas. And yes, they, they still exist, but they're skeletons of what they used to be. That's happening in all of those industries outside of gaming and technology, and now it's happening in gaming and technology. So uh, it sucks. Yep. I mean, even just a couple of years ago, I mean, I remember when I was younger, you know, E3, like the E3 press conferences were freaking nuts. I mean, you would be like glued yeah. to literally it was on tel it was on uh, uh, Spike TV. I mean, you'd be literally glued to Spike TV to see what the hell Sony and Microsoft were going to announce. And now it's just a it's a it's a skeleton. So it sucks. But yep. um, it's the way it's trending. Yeah, and that's that's uh, we'll see how how the conventions go from here forward. Did you want to talk about uh, Epic and some of the upcoming things that we're going to see here? Yeah, uh, before we get to the upcoming things on them, there is a pretty big story here, uh, and this actually uh, for folks that aren't uh, aware of geography uh, or our geography. Excuse me, I don't mean to be rude. I'm in I'm based in North Carolina, so uh, Epic is a pretty big deal here they're based in Cary, north carolina a couple a couple of friends of the show live in that area they're a big deal in north carolina um and it was announced just a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago that uh they have been fined by the federal trade commission the ftc upwards of 254 million dollars for tricking users into making unwanted charges and this comes down to yep. um uh, less than um What's the word to use? Uh, less less than appropriate and less than genuine uh, pop ups and disingenuous things inside the yeah. menu. Yeah. Well, they, no, they weren't. They weren't disingenuous. They were. They they were doing them to be disingenuous, um, which yeah. which is a huge problem. So uh, 
they got a pretty big fine here from the federal government. What are you, Brian? I don't know that we've seen something like this in in the in 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 our time with the with the video game industry. I'm trying to remember a massive fine like this, three hundred well, million bucks. And this this is an interesting case too, two hundred forty five million, and it's purely based on them deciding that the menus and things like that were were organized in a way to encourage m- mistaken purchases. And I, we talked about this a while ago when it was first kind of going through the system. But they, they would make it so where it was really easy if you kind of clicked too many times to accidentally order something with your V-Bucks. There wasn't that Damn confirmation. Uh, yeah, there wasn't that confirmation of, are you sure? Do you, wanna, yeah. you know, do you want this? And check. They had ways that when you're going through menus, you could just be clicking through it and then bam, oh, I just ordered something. I didn't really want that dance. I, I didn't want that skin. Uh, and V bucks were—I I, I don't know how many V bucks we've—we've helped purchase for our boys, but it's a big money-making business. Two hundred forty-five oh, yeah. million doesn't really see—it kind of seems like a drop in the bucket it compared is. to the compared to probably how many they've made. But this, I did—I was watching the uh, keynote by Sweeney it, that he was—and he actually brought this up in the very beginning. And said, you know, when they became aware of this and they made, they made been making changes due to this uh, over the last couple of years. And they partnered with some organizations to help, uh, you know, to make this better and to help prevent, you know, to put protections in for children, putting a lot of parental controls that they didn't have and having an actual other organization in charge of that. Uh, and so, I'm sorry we got caught. That's, that's exactly yeah. that. Yeah. I'm sorry. But we, 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 we tried doing everything we could after we got caught to try and make it seem like we weren't bad actors so that the FTC wouldn't fine us and they didn't fine us as much as they, they could. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar industry for, for Fortnite. Well, um, here's, here's kind of the, the allegations were that they violated, violated, I think it's called COPA, by failing yep. to notify parents and obtain consent. That was one mm-hmm. of it. And then the saying that the default settings harm children and teens. And that was in Fortnite. Uh, you know, and that was having being exposed to dangerous and psychologically traumatizing issues such as suicide while in Fortnite. And that's people saying, kill yourself and things like that. Chat. <laughs> um, guilty. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, I mean, you know, things like that. That's what they're saying. You know, they did. They didn't by default for children that they knew were under the age of 13, put in all of these things to prevent that them having access to this. And then, of course, there was the what they call black menu, uh, dark patterns. Yeah, there were dark patterns, I think, is what they called the um, the way that they set up the menus so that it would accidentally make purchases. So just for context here, uh, Fortnite, you know, the little old Fortnite uh, made about $32 billion uh, last yeah. year. So this fine of... 200 what is it 200 and 350,000 $250 million really is a uh a very small drop in the bucket. You're talking about a a literally their current valuation is over 40 billion dollars for Fortnite. So this is this is very much a a minuscule and you said However, was it 42 billion? How much did you say they made? They're they're what, worth what a, they're worth over about 40 billion no, but, dollars but, right now. No, but what did they make on Fortnite, you said? Uh, I think I, I, I they it, I think they made I think they made about thirty billion, but that doesn't seem right. They can't be. They couldn't have made thirty billion last year and also be worth forty five billion. Um, that's less than one percent. The two hundred forty five million is less than one percent of the of, yeah. of thirty billion. So, so what I think is important with what the interesting thing I do find what I find interesting about this I should say is that you know they're not alone in doing this. I think you could look at mm-mm. pretty much the entire mobile game industry. Um, now it's different on the iPhone. I, I, I don't know what it is like on Android, but since all of the payments do have to run through Apple and I've had this happen before where I've accidentally clicked to buy an upgrade in one of these apps before and before it will purchase the app store or some Apple prompt comes up and says, Hey, do you want to confirm this charge of whatever it might be four ninety nine? And of course I can, I have a a brief heart attack and then click cancel Hmm. (laughs) and it, and it doesn't go through. I assume it's a similar thing on Android, um, where there's some sort of yep. verification of, of the purchase. I have I require confirmation in yeah. my account. I didn't I didn't override that. So that so I think that's um, 
you know, that's kind of what is already handled on, on on the mobile side of it. But I do just I do find it very interesting that that they're going after Fortnite in this regard. So and um, Saul he pointed um, in 2022 they made 710.66 million. That's not um, that, that that's not accurate. They, they, I wait, specifically remember millions of dollars. So 710 yeah 0.66 million. That's the gross see. income. Maybe. Uh, but it's interesting. 2018, they made 3.7, over 3.7 billion. Yeah, I have no. Oh wait, it's, here it's, I'm looking. Actually, actually, yeah, no, I, yeah, and this is one point. 2021 is 1.2. Fortnite revenue million. generated 5.8 billion. billion in 2021. Yeah. 5.8 billion. Okay. Yeah. So it's billions of dollars. Is is I think is the point. Yeah, it's 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 a, per, a small percentage of this fine. So I think they'll be all right. Yeah, they will be all right. The question is, does the FTC continue with this and crack down on other games? Because they're not alone. Uh, and because it's such a popular game, what happened, Brian? Well, people copied the model because they were literally they've yep. literally made tens of billions of dollars in the last couple of years. Oh my God, the Steam notification! Look at that. <laughs> it popped up. <laughs> it's these, and that's the thing is the microtransactions. It, 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 all of these companies follow a similar model when it comes to microtransactions because it's what brings in money. Of course. And I think that what worries me is when they start bringing government regulations in to control the market because the market doesn't control itself. I, I as a libertarian, I just hate having more rules. But, but you know, I, I get frustrated when, get, you know, you kind of, all these games that you enjoy get taken over by this revenue model that's all about constantly having to feed it money and you never get a full game anymore. But of course, if you do deliver a full game, if that's what the consumer wants, everybody's going to run and purchase that. I mean, look at Hogwarts Legacy. There are there were zero microtransactions that I had to do with that. The whole game was there and you could play it. I appreciated that. You turn around and you look at other games like Diablo, you know, is that going to have microtransactions? I've heard that... Um, the oh, what's there? It's the card game that's really, Hard, really that uh, has been really popular. Hearthstone? Um, no, no, no. It's one that is the real life card game that a lot of people play. Um, Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, Magic. That they're doing a video game th- that they've done a video game that just it has tons of microtransaction and it's well, not a mobile game. It's a regular video game. It's just inundated with my so, uh, with the mic the transactions. So I mean I I when you say you're a libertarian on this stuff, I I think I am as well. And and I don't know that this is necessarily I mean the FTC is not outlawing microtransactions. I think no. the concern and the problem here is that these transactions were happening. Well, I mean it's literally right here in the thing. Use dark patterns to trick players into making unwanted purchases. That's exactly yeah. what this was. It was not clear mm-hmm. that you were actually making a purchase. And while I am anybody that has listened to my daily radio program knows that I am not a fan of government in nearly any facet, literally any facet that they do anything in. Yeah. But in this case, if you've got a company that is woefully misleading and tricking people into buying things, that to me is a problem. And especially when it's happening at the scale of a company like Fortnite. And and, and yeah. let's let's be honest, Brian. We're talking about children. Yep. Right. This isn't. Who, who this isn't. Are, who this aren't isn't exactly me, controlled and how they're they're clicking. This isn't me watching a late night television uh, ad about you know call this thing and for nine dollars we'll send you this thing that's gonna you know solve your entire life and then me getting scammed. That's not what we're talking about. We're specifically dealing with children, uh, which is a whole nother problem, you know, from a parental standpoint. But children on a game and racking up unauthorized cards uh, charges because there was no verification in there at all. And and in this and that's, case, that's I don't know thing. that the FTC is in the wrong and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that if I'm I don't know that it makes me a a big government guy to think that the FTC but you know, it was kind of in the right on a uh, uh, kind of in the right on. Well, this. they're able to kind of skirt things I think because of having their own virtual currency. Yes. The transaction for cash happens beforehand. Exactly. And then it puts these virtual tokens into your account. And then at that point, they, they get away from some, or maybe they thought they got away from some regulations because, oh, well, they're just spending this virtual currency. It's not real money, right? They can earn some by, you know, getting levels and having the game pass, da, da, da. 
but it's still for it's still real money because you're still are paying a certain specific amount to get V bucks put into your account. True. And I thought that they felt I think they felt like it it wasn't like a credit card transaction. You know, we don't really have to say, "Are you sure?" Because there is a cap on how many they can pull. But when you're putting in fifty dollars worth of V bucks into your kid's account, and then you know they're accidentally buying some silly little thing and it's like okay well now they can't buy what i intended them to buy which was the the pass so that they could have something that lasts them a whole month and they spend it on a pack of silly dances you know and that was that's what's frustrating as a parent uh you know and i put in a lot of regular things to limit and we you know we we don't even let them play Fortnite anymore but i think that this have it to where if they're underage Put some limitations on what they can do and or give the parents the ability to put limitations and set the defaults to be limiting. Make the parent uncheck the boxes and open up access to the kid's account so that then they can go and purchase things if they want to. But don't leave Never it where the default setting is purchase, purchase, purchase. Never going to happen because the purchase, purchase, purchase is their whole freaking business. I know. But, but here, I mean, they're putting in a lot of parental controls you know, that that's where I worry is because if the, these companies won't do it themselves, the government's going to and all these people thinking they're doing the right thing are going to step in and it's just going to put make it more frustrating to deal with to where all of a sudden now you're going to have to do all these things and ver email verifications just to have to purchase something on your account. Yeah, I, I just, I, that's my concern. Yeah, I undoubtedly do not want the government stepping into it more. I think that was just a that's just a terrible idea. But um yeah, it's definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting tale, and um, I guess we'll see if there are any other uh, ramifications for other companies. Well, here let's talk a little bit since we're on the top of topic of Epic player spending. Uh, GameIndustry.biz had an article out here yeah. in the past week talking about player spending on Epic Game Store, and this is something where the, if you look, Saul actually shared a link in in chat where it was showing. The, the income from Fortnite is going down year by year. You know, they had the COVID boost. But the Epic Game Store reached $820 million in 2022, which is good because they're really competing against Steam, which has been the, the game store for PC de, de facto. I mean, that's just that's what it's been. There, nobody thought that there could be any competition against that. And... Uh, for them, they said revenue dipped 2%, but spending in third-party titles rose 18%. Last year saw more PC game launches than ever on the platform. Hmm. Um, total users of the Epic Game Store on PC is $230 million. That's up 19% year-on-year. Um, Epic's cross-platform accounts, $732 million. Daily active user peaks, $30.4.3 million. Monthly active users, $68 million, which is up 10%. So people are gravitating towards it. Uh, it will, it'll be interesting to see with the Fortnite editor, which is going to be on PC people that maybe played console for Fortnite, but want to go and try making maps and content. That'll bring more people to the Epic launcher, um, playing it on, loading it on their PC, uh, you know, total library of PC games. They have 1,548 games on, on, on their library now. So that's up 68%, 626 Got new it. PC releases. So, they're definitely growing. Uh, you know whether they're going to be here ten years from now. I don't know. I would assume they are, unless something crazy happens. But you know, they're they're probably one of the biggest competitors to Steam at this point, and they're not that many years old. Steam's what a missed been around opportunity! A long, right long time. Here. Just round that number up to sixty nine percent. What a missed opportunity! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I'm sure that Sweeney number... was trying to squeeze a few more in there. Uh, so. Because I, so I, I I saw this article as well, and my first impression was wow fifteen hundred that's that that's a lot. But then I then I looked at Steam and Steam has hundreds mm. of thousands of games yeah. on there. And yes, yeah, Steam has been around for a hot minute. We 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 understand that that fifteen hundred uh, that fifteen hundred to me is kind of low. They only added six hundred well, new curated. games. That, that's the problem. That's yeah, the difference. Yeah. Steam, you can po post your own junk, whatever you want. You can. That's true. <laughs> but with with Epic, it's been self curated. Now so you're talking about you're talking about a little less than two a, a little less than two games a day, 
in the past. In the last yeah. year. They added 626 in the last year. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I don't really, because that is true. Yes, you're right. It is curated. It's not an open submission process. The question is, is 1,500 games highly curated? Is that enough to keep your platform successful? And I don't know that that is, a, I don't okay. know the answer to that yet. Let's look at this, though. Here, here's sure. a change that's happened in the past two weeks. Okay. Epic just launched what they call their self-publishing tools. This ah. is something that's going to compete against Steam to get that number up to where it's not 100% Epic employees working out deals. So they're going to have it to where, uh, similar to what Valve does with the Steamworks API, they're going to be having these self-publishing tools. There are a few regulations on it. Sure. No pornographic games. Well, damn Unlike it. Unlike Steam... <laughs> They're not allowing anything that has uh, it's explicit sex or sexually explicit in any way. What about way. Leisure Shoot Larry? Um, I'm sure that they would allow that because there is really? no crazy... Oh, because Well, it, it, that does not have pornographic things in it. It may have things that are suggestive. Very suggestive. But it's not erotic. Okay. Um, so multiplayer Joe games very must have cross-play with other PC stores. So they're requiring mm. that if you're going to do a game in here, it has to work with Steam. Good on that. And they have all the tools to make that happen. Mm? I said good on them. That's a great thing to, to, to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, th I think this is going to be the thing that really makes that change. You know, those numbers were all up to that point in 2022. Those were all curated games that they brought in and people had to, you know, maybe they were either reached out to people or people had to go and contact them and say, I'd like to have my game on your store. Now they have the tools that for $100, which is the same fee that Valve charges to submit to Steam, you can submit a game for inclusion in the Epic Game Store's library. It's, I think it'll be a lot the same way. But also, Epic's been creating those tools that allow them to implement a lot of the, the features of voice chat and all those things that they, they talked about in the beginning. So I think people that do publish will have a lot of tools and things that work well together for them. Uh, let's see if this changes it. It, it. Especially with Unreal Engine, there's a lot of people using Unreal Engine. Uh, people love Unreal Engine 5. It's become very stable. I think you're going to see a lot of games that see the benefit of this because they get a better percentage cut of the sales. Uh, and, you know, and, and if you can get people going here you're going to get a better price than you do on Steam. Steam has still has a pretty high percentage cut. Uh, and here, if you're doing an unre Unreal game, you get right? an even higher cut. 40% on Steam, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty high here. I'm trying to remember what this one is. Uh, but it's... I think it's 8 Publishers eight? receive 88% yeah, of the revenue sold through the Epic Game Store um, at, at, with an option to use your own or third-party payment solution to receive 100% of the revenue on in-app purchases. So you get the original sale game sale, and then you get 100% of purchases done inside of the game. That's, that, I mean, that's a no-brainer. So, yes, that is a no-brainer. And, and um, yes, total, totally a no-brainer. Steam and Valve take about 30% off the top, so the developer's keeping 70. Huge difference between 30 and 12%. Yeah. However, Brian, uh, I was watching a video today and uh, they were talking about the Steam Deck, which now has a million copies, a million physical units in circulation, yeah. which is remarkable. And part of that discussion was the only reason that Steam really has been able to do this is because of their strong revenue on that 30 percent. I am not we've I'm not justifying Steam taking 30 yeah. percent. But when you do have that kind of revenue coming in, Brian, it gives you the option to develop your own freaking console, which is exactly what they yeah. did. Now, fortunately, Epic has Fortnite, so that might be yeah. their equivalent it's to that revenue It's kind of the same model. thing for them. And it might be, but so so while, yes, as a developer, that 100% is phenomenal, that also, though, makes it so that their cut is a lot less zero in the case of add-ons the longevity yep. of that store might not be as fruitful for Epic as it is for Steam. It's incredibly fruitful. They get thirty, they get thirty cents on the dollar. I mean, it's a very fruitful effort to. I mean, credit card companies take pennies on the dollar and make billions of dollars a year. Steam is over here, yep. fat, dumb, and happy, which means the platform is never going to go away. And if your margin is so low, like Epic is, that 
long term is going to, I think long term could create a problem because it's all about volume. And that's why Steam yep. has 600,000 games or whatever, some egregious amount of games on there. It's all about, it's all about volume. So well, I don't and know. I think they're also, I, I think they're also relying on people using Unreal Engine to develop their games, which sure. then they get like what a five percent cut of that on something, top five or of every sale, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're they're counting on people just creating more games, and if it's a game that's successful, because you don't have to pay until it reaches a certain amount of income. So yeah. they're counting on some of these games going viral, hitting, getting a ton of sales, and them getting some big payouts based on on that. They get a percentage of the purchase. Plus, they're getting a percentage of money and licensing after the fact, uh, and just getting a lot more games on here for people to get some, you know, to get a bigger number of purchases. I know he really does push against these really high percentage rates. You know, I, I hope that this succeeds because I would love to have it be a lower percentage, and and that become the de facto standard. I, Steam does make a lot of money. I don't, I don't have a console. I don't have a Steam Deck. And so that's not benefit them charging me more for every Steam game I purchase isn't benefiting me at the moment, right? No, uh, that's something I, I have to go and take advantage of. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily going to benefit you, but I, I might argue that the work that the Steam Deck has done in terms of Linux with gaming and and the the mm-hmm. uh, layer support for that has 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 benefited you with some stuff. Well, I'm sure it will. Right yeah. at some point, as people start to take advantage of that technology, especially with this cloud gaming and and mm-hmm. you know using things on lower powered devices, like that opened up to that in a big way. And plus, yeah. they've opened it up to where people create their own hardware and then put put that software onto it. I don't think people have really taken advantage of it. People are waiting for Steam or Valve to release another Steam Deck. Well, why aren't these companies? I think it's the cost of hardware at the moment. I think that right now there's too much of a markup in hardware and the cost of doing business with China is too high at the moment. uh, And there's too much of a shortage of materials to make that profitable. But I think once the market turns around and we start seeing cheap devices again, like we used to, then I think you'll see companies starting to make these things again or make it just work on a high powered phone. I think it's twofold. Yes. the, the, The cost of the supplies right now are ridiculous, but on the other side of it, the margin on the Steam Deck is non-existent. I mean, I, I don't remember. Let me. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the pricing was. I know they just had their sale uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, their cheapest Steam Deck is three ninety nine. That yeah. is an incredibly low margin. I mean, they aren't making yeah. any. They're they're hard. I, I I would I would be surprised if they were making. I'd be surprised if they were making 50 bucks a console. I really would. That yeah. would be, to me, that would be a massive win. There's no way they're making that. So how can they afford to get, how can, it's a, Brian, this is, this is the console strategy from Xbox and PlayStation for years. You sell the console yep. at cost or even at a loss and then ship off of every single game that's sold. And that's exactly what Steam has been able to do now yep. with, with Steam Deck. So if I'm Asus, and I'm looking at, I'm going to make a Steam Deck, my own Steam Deck, and I'm going to have to charge $600 for the base unit. I mean, there's already that one device, the, 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 Neo, uh, the Neo Geo or whatever the hell it is. The, the, that they, yeah. These guys have been making that portable gaming computer for, for, for years now. The freaking things are 700 bucks because that's what it but, costs And they're not making anything after the purchase. No, that's of course the they're not. Is, is yeah. Steam, Steam is expecting you to go and continue buying games. And you Steam. will. That's how they make money doing this. Yes. But the person selling the device doesn't really have a way of making no. money past that because Zero. Steam's not sharing any money with them for putting it on their hardware. And the markups aren't high enough to make it worthy of, of bothering to do it. Hardware. And so that's the problem is there's, zero, there's very little incentive at the moment to make these devices. And that's going to continue to be the case. Hardware in general is not a high incentive, is not a high margin industry. Why did... EV, yep. I'm sitting here looking at my computer right now. Why did EVGA pull out of the GPU market after almost 20 years? Because NVIDIA was not giving them a margin, and they were sick of building cards literally for pennies on the dollar margin, which they couldn't afford to do. Yep. So they said, screw it. We're done. We'll find something else to do. T- uh, uh, hardware is not a high-margin market. Um, and as you mentioned, 
you buy a Steam Deck, you're going to load your... If, you're, if you've never played a PC game before, you're going to go bananas with all these cheap games and Steam is going to be sucking you know, a couple bucks here and there down on every transaction. It's a win-win. Yep. And, and, I'm, um, I'm the perfect contender for a Steam Deck. I've got so many games on there. It would be, you know, it'd, it'd be a cool device to have. I just, I've just not been playing games like I used to, you know, yeah. so it just doesn't make sense. I disagree, though. But you're somebody the with a large library would be good. You're the worst case scenario for Steam because you're not well, going to spend any money. Very much. No, you're not well, going to spend yeah, any for money. For them, I'm saying yeah. for me, for, for oh, having yeah. a very built-out yeah. library with a lot True. of games that, you know, would be fun to play on mobile, it's a good scenario for me to go and get one. But Steam yeah. is not going to like it because I'm not going to really make any new purchases. You're, yeah, you're not. And you've per- and all your stuff came from Humble Bundle anyway, so they didn't get anything on top of that anyway. I, I um, did one purchase last week on Steam. So I did purchase one game. What did you Which buy? was that... Um, oh, what, what's that? The, it's a zombie forest? game where you ride around on the motorcycle. Oh. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, with, with, with landing or something like that? No, that's not no. it. But well, uh, Donnie, Donnie has been making mods for it. Days and gone. So I, you know, days gone. That's it. Yes, ah. days gone. Thank you, Saul. Um, so that's that's something where I I was interested in checking out the mods because I have it on. I had it on PlayStation or have it on PlayStation, you know. And so it'd be be fun to see some of the modding community and see what they've been creating with it. So I grabbed it because it was like thirteen bucks, yeah, sixteen bucks or something like that. But I, you know, I don't buy my major titles on there. But I mean, the Game Pass and things like that, or I'd rather play it on a because buying a video card right now just doesn't make any sense. And so I'm going to play it on my Xbox Series X because I can play it on at 4K on my TV, where rather than 1080 on my monitor and maybe have it do 35 frames per second on a newer game. All right. Um, Let's see, we got about 20 or so minutes left. Do you want to move on over to some of the stuff ongoing with Microsoft? There's a lot, a lot currently in the uh, in the Microsoft space. Okay, one, here, let's, since we're kind of on this topic, the Game Pass, they are killing that $1 trial, you know, that a lot of people were taking advantage of. Yeah. They had the $1 trial. Uh, Microsoft just very recently this past week pulled that deal. Um, so they no longer have that Game Pass, the, the $1 Game Pass Ultimate Trial is what they called it. Uh, so for people that were looking to take advantage of that, and maybe that's because of how they're opening up in so many markets and um, you know having these various versions of it they're getting ready to release, maybe they felt like that was, or maybe people were taking advantage of it. I don't know that <laughs> people were taking advantage of it. I mean, it just kind of looked like it was a situation where, you know, they... They said they've been offering this Game Pass trial for years, uh, and anybody that yeah. wanted it could have tried the the one dollar trial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're talking about their you know they've got at this point over twenty five million subscribers to Game Pass, um, and it's like one of those things where you've diluted the market. You're still keeping up with that. You're paying yep. credit card processing fees on a one dollar transaction. Everybody that wanted yep. to try Game Pass has so just move on. Yeah, and so that that's going away. Uh, now, there's been some pretty big changes in the lawsuits and then this whole EU getting Activision Blizzard uh, to get accepted. Sony's been pushing back. Sony's been looking pretty silly lately. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that's interesting is Steam, you know, rejected that Microsoft 10-year Call of Duty deal that they offered them. Really? Yes, they, they said huh. they didn't need it. <laughs> and the, and uh, and that really made the main complaint of Sony saying, "Well, you know, look at what they're going to do." Because Steam was like, "Well, we don't need it. We know they're going to continue offering it to us." Yeah, you know, there's not like they're going to take it off of Steam. Uh, we don't need, you know, we don't need them to guarantee it to us. And uh, Game Rant here has an article just talking about how that really kind of undercut the whole argument. And Sony, it's been amazing that in the past week or two, all these this bandwagon of everybody on, on Sony's side has pretty much fallen away because of the way that Sony dealt with this whole controversy of just refusing to come to the table and just making baseless accusations and then continuing to be the people that primarily uh, have uh, keeping everybody in their own platform and forcing people to use a Sony product is, is how they work. But then they were pointing the finger saying, that's what you do. That's what you do. I think it, it finally came around to where people 
looked at Sony and realized they are full of it. Because that, yeah, so so I think Sony finally bit themselves, you know, in in the back end on the whole deal. I I don't know that this is in the notes. Did you see this thing about, I I just found this, that uh, now members of the United States Congress are accusing Sony of hurting Xbox in Japan. Did you see this? Uh-uh. Do you have a, so, a link? Yeah, there? I do. So the U.S. government is under increase. The U.S. government is under increasing pressure to examine the competition between PlayStation and Xbox in Japan, according to Axios, which reports that Congress members from both sides of the aisle are telling the Biden administration that Sony's business practices in Japan are blocking U.S. companies from competing in the game space. Oh, Jesus, yeah. that's not good at all. Um, four yeah. uh, Republican uh, Republicans wrote a letter that said. Today we write. Uh, today we write to bring you to your attention the imbalanced Japanese video game market, which we are concerned may be the result of a discriminatory trade practice that could violate the spirit of the U.S.-Japan digital trade agreement. The letter mentions that Sony's PlayStation has a ninety has ninety eight percent of the high end console market in Japan, and saying that uh, this is may this is potentially violating some antitrust laws. Boy. When it rains, yeah, because they ma- they made them sign deals that prevented them from releasing their games on Xbox. This is exactly yeah. what we've been saying about Sony. Sony is <laughs> yeah. the king of exclusivity deals, and they're saying, "Oh, but you won't give us your prime product, the, the you know this new um, video game that's going to be Starfield. released here in a couple of years." Hmm? It's all Starfield. Well, yeah, what, that's what it's all. That's what they're. Well, they're about. Starfield, but what's the one that they've released in the past, and they're, we've been waiting for a, a follow up to it. Um, it, it, uh, there's is it a Bethesda it, game? It, yeah, it's a Bethesda game. But the, their their big concern is that oh, that well, look Skyrim how they're not being nice. Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, one of those? what yeah. Elder Scrolls online? Not it's the Skyrim game. World. I don't remember yeah. what is it. But that one, they were complaining, saying, "Oh, you're because they said, well, we're going to keep that that one exclusive because that's going to be kind of our thing that brings people to us." And Sony was like, "See how unfair they are." Sony's been doing that nonstop on almost every single product that they have enough influence to do it. <laughs> it's, Microsoft says they want to do it with one product that they own exclusively, and Sony is throwing it in their face. I mean, it just for me, that just showed how biased they are and how stupid they are. I think that uh, it, headline it, it, it's is pretty, It's pretty crazy. I think that headline uh, and, is, is, is absolutely perfect. And, and, and in the same vein as that, Brian, here's another article out of Japan that the Microsoft Activision uh, Blizzard merger has gone through and uh, seemingly is going to go through the uh, Japan uh, version of the uh, FTC. The uh, Japan yeah. Fair Trade Commission has essentially ruled in favor of the deal, saying that the yeah. regulatory body found that the deal, quote, would not subsequently reduce competition in Japan, which honestly, in no. Japan, it makes sense because freaking nope, and nobody has an Xbox anyway. It's all Sony, so yeah. it has no. It's, it's gonna have no meaningful of the impact. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> well, boy, it, it, oh, it's Elder it really Scrolls Six, looks... by the way. That okay. one, that's the one that they were. That's not gonna be released till twenty twenty six, and they're sitting here crying about it. It just seems to me that uh, Sony might have really, really overplayed their hand here. Well, and then rejecting any of the deals. Microsoft now, they're getting accepted in all these places, and they didn't sign any deal with Sony. So they're not obligated to keep anything on Sony because Sony refused to sign. And now and now they're going to come back after the regular, regulators have already accepted and said you're good to go through, and you think Microsoft's going to want to sign any deal that looks negative to them? Sony has really bit themselves. I mean, it's just... I hope that it really by it continues. I hope it all falls apart for Sony and that they don't get they don't get guaranteed Call of Duty anything. I think Crash Microsoft will still provide it for them, <laughs> but but they are the ones trying to sabotage the whole pro- process, yeah. trying to say, well, I'm not going to come to the table so that it and then claim that you were unwilling to work with me. That's because that's what they did. They refused to come to the table and then said they say, look, they haven't signed a deal with us. But then it became apparent that they were the ones who blocked the deal. And now all these other companies have signed all these 10-year deals for Call of Duty, and Sony doesn't have one. Well, good. Don't release it on Sony. Right? Release it for free on the Game Pass. Make it to where everybody gets the Game Pass to get Call of Duty. I mean, you know, that'll that'll bring tons of people over. 
Yeah, this uh, this Axios piece on this thing and these the letter from these senators and House representatives uh, are is is pretty pretty egregious. Um, I mean, they're going they're going all full in frontal assault on Sony, and it's it's literally for it is the what you just said, Brian. It's everything that they're accusing Microsoft of doing. They in fact are guilty of and are now being called on it. Right, here we go. I, I have the Final, article. They're talking about Final Fantasy. It's like one of the greatest examples. Like. Like yep. the only available on PlayStation. What the hell are you guys talking about? Yep, and they've got a lot of them. There's a lot yeah. of things like that. Days Gone, or sorry, um, The Last of Us was one of those up until mm-hmm. recently. Uh, so one thing here, PlayStation takes action against Elder Scrolls 6 Xbox exclusivity, and this was about a week or two ago, uh, but they were complaining about them saying that that was going to be exclusive, Um you know, in Starfield, Redfall, Elder Scrolls Six, uh, the new Fallout game, there is unlikely to to release on PlayStation now. Uh, and Sony's complaining about that and saying that that's why it should UK should reject the whole thing. Um, you know, and that's the, one of their chief complaints. But I don't think it's going to make any difference now. It's not. No, it's not. Yeah. They uh, they have really, really overplayed. They've really overextended their hand here. Yeah, there's too many examples of them doing exactly what they're complaining about. And But see, here's the thing, though, and, and, and I think it's important, and I know we've talked a lot about this. It's such a big story. We really can't not talk about it. Um, the, I, the idea that Microsoft would somehow be in the wrong or uh, be disingenuous or, be in, or the, the idea that it would be inappropriate for Microsoft, who spent how many billions of dollars buying Bethesda and how many billions of dollars, 70, 68, 69, or $70 billion purchasing Activision Blizzard? The idea yeah. that they have some moral authority to make their intellectual obligation, property available right? <laughs> on another platform, that in itself, and I know antitrust, blah, 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 I get it. I totally understand. But the idea that that is something that is required is ludicrous. I, there's nothing yep. that indicates that that's something that's required. So even... Yep. Even if so, even if Xbox was just flipping the bird to everybody and said, "Hey guys, we don't care. We spent seventy billion dollars on this company. We're going to do whatever the hell we want." I think I still think that would be appropriate, and I'm not even sure that they would get pushback from that because it's it's not really antitrust. We're not talking about uh, we're not really talking about antitrust here, and I haven't really seen the antitrust argument be made because it's not relevant. There's arguments over competition a little bit is what they're talking about but competition isn't illegal so i, I don't i well, really don't understand the points that sony's even trying to make at this point so here's here's a new quote from the uk cma which is the competition markets authority sure and they have said that um they now say it received a significant amount of new evidence in response to its findings last month and has now reached a new provisional conclusion that the Activision acquisition will not result in a substantial lessening of competition in relation to console gaming in the UK, particularly insofar as Call of Duty is concerned. Yes, and you know what this so, really comes down to, Brian? The fact that the PlayStation is sold outside the Xbox almost two to one. It's not yeah. gonna have a substa- it's not gonna have a substantial impact at all. And and and, and let's and just is- let's just dispel this myth too. The idea that Microsoft is going to take one of the largest, most profitable video game franchises in the world ever, in the history of video games, in Call of Duty, and strip that off of every other platform, they would lose out on billions of dollars doing that. Microsoft is not in the business of being... Microsoft is not in this closed box system that Sony's in. They don't care. They want to make money. They don't care what... They literally don't care what platform it's on. Can they make money off of it? If the answer is yes, they will invest in it. I I really don't. I don't. I am. As this goes on, as the weeks and months of this go on, the the arguments that are being made make less and less sense completely. Well, and one thing, did you see there was the remember we mentioned that lawsuit that there was Call of Duty fans, players that sued trying to block the acquisition yes um, you know that. saying that it well that was thrown out by a judge here in the past week really brian <laughs> tell me tell me how yeah. tell me why the judge threw this frivolous lawsuit out 
Well, and the thing is, they said that it would not have because they came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to have any negative (laughs) impact on video game players. Right. I mean, the same thing that all these, um, you know, they said they failed to make factual allegations that support the conclusive conclusory incentive assertion. In other words, the judge reckons that plaintiffs made several sweeping assertions without the facts to back them up. Gamers made sounds a lot like Sony. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that. Wow. Call of Duty players saying just saying things hey, into the hey, mic. Hey, 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 hey. Enough. <laughs> Enough. I don't appreciate the I don't appreciate the the, the nasty comments, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and so um and then Microsoft, there's there was another one where I saw where they were saying that they were pushing the Microsoft Activision merger needs to happen to block China's Tencent pretty much taking them overcoming the market. That they need something that can push back against China and Tencent, which has been purchasing and going crazy on purchasing. You know, they don't have all the regulations we do. They purchase right. We've gone over plenty of times how much of the, the video game industry that China owns without any of this pushback. Right. They, they purchased Riot and you know, I mean, you name all the companies that they have purchased. Um, so people are now saying that this really does need to happen because we need these bigger companies to push back so that Tencent and China don't come and purchase every single uh, studio and every single big uh, video game industry piece that's out there. This is and so and I, I, I agree with that. Hmm? This whole thing is wild. I mean, it's I it has been. It's been like the tale of it's it's been the it's just been two completely different tales over the last couple of months. I mean, for for a period yeah. of time, I wasn't sure early on. You probably go back and find it. I wasn't sure that yeah. the government wasn't going to royally f this whole thing up. And if it, I didn't, the, the U.S. government, I wasn't worried about because Microsoft could pay those people off. It was these foreign governments <laughs> that I I just you don't know what kind of stronghold that Microsoft has there. It seems like the the alley oop is going to end up being the the Federal Trade Commission in the United States. That's going to be the easy one. Um, so yep. it's uh, this is this is very interesting, and the clock is very. Mu- I mean, we could have this merger complete in the next what ninety or one hundred twenty days. I mean, it could it could be yeah, right I around think, the corner. I think it will be. It's going to yep. have to be. Wow. Now, of course, we still have our internal forces that are fighting against Activision Blizzard. You know, the employees, <laughs> the uh, the testers that we love uh, yes. so much the unions. Uh, and, and they're really upset. You know, a better ABK, one of our favorite organizations that are all up, upstanding citizens um, are calling out blizzards end of remote work saying it's wholly unnecessary. And it's just a union busting tactic. Asking your employees to come back to work is a union busting tactic. I, how that works. I'm not sure, but you know, here's a statement from them on February 13th, Activision, Publishing announced in a quarterly meeting that their employees would be returning to the office in April. Similarly, Blizzard announced that their employees would return to the office in July. And so they said that the ABK leadership has stated that there will be no exception to this uh, mandate, um, though they did encourage employees who cannot return to the office, you know, for various reasons to email them for accommodations. And ABK is saying that this is something that is marginalizing communities such as as LBGTPQ+, women, <laughs> racial minorities, disabled, and chronically ill people. Women? That's, that's, women can't drive, I guess. I, I, I don't know what, what is, what's happening here, but what all of a sudden you got ABK males? saying, well, they're the ones who know how, I guess, who know how to drive to work. <laughs> I, that's what they're assuming, uh, because they're saying if you're LGBTQ+, you're a woman, you're a racial minority, you're disabled or chronically ill, which is interesting that you're, you're, you're grouping all those people together uh, because some of those are actually disabilities, not uh, no, being a woman with. Like, yeah, yeah, being a woman be, and having a disability. Being a woman is now is a disability. Uh, <laughs> those are things that are, that are, you're marginalizing those communities uh, by, by telling them they have to come into work. Holy moly. I, I just, I don't get how, how these things come together <laughs> Uh, to make it to where you, as a, 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 either a gay person, can't drive to work. You, as a woman, cannot drive to work. You, as someone who is not white, cannot drive to work. Uh, now, I can understand someone who's disabled. That would be something that maybe inhibit you from driving sure. to work. Maybe be chronically ill. That may inhibit you from driving to work. Those are the two things that maybe would prevent you from getting to work. The rest, why can't they drive? 
Why why can't they drive to work? That's what I would like to know. Why can't they? Why can't a woman drive to work? Hold on. Hold on. I have the. Are we going to bring up? <laughs> no. No, no. 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 This is going to be totally normal. Hold on a second. The reason okay. that. Oh, shit. Okay. Here it is. I have the answer to your question, Brian, and it's from the L.A. Times okay. a few weeks ago. I covered it on Wilmington's Morning News. How white okay. and affluent drivers are polluting the air breathed by L.A.'s people of color. This is wow. why they cannot go back to work. This is a real article, totally legitimate. I read through it, laughed my ass off just a couple of weeks ago. This, this article right here is why. And the whole article is... is the whole article is because apparently freeways were built across minority communities and air pollution only affects people of color. That's what the article is. Well, because says. people don't want to live under a freeway, so the cheaper housing is going to be under a freeway. That, no, but that's not, that's not even the assertion. That's not even the assertion <laughs> oh, of the article. That's not what they're no, saying? It's, no, it's literally not. It's, it's the most uh, egregious. Brian, it is, it is this same thing that you're reading. It's just, the, it's just a stupid article that's not based in anything. So, um, wow, that's great. That's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, so I just, you know, this is something I, I was reading this and I'm just trying to figure out, well, how, how is going into work, you know, going to, is a union busting effort? I would think that showing up to work so that you could walk out to uh, protest abortion rights, um, showing up to work so you can walk out for whatever random reason that they decide that day, you know, because they didn't have a, a three trans bathrooms, they only had two trans bathrooms and women are having to pump breast milk uh, you know, in, in, in the lounge because they just don't like the, uh, the air conditioning in the other building or the other room, you know, whatever it is. So you can walk out for this reason. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier to walk out when you're not walking out of your house into your driveway. You know, it all, I mean, it, it, that has a lot less of an effect. Brian, it all comes back down to bigotry and racism. That's the, that is the answer to every, <laughs> every, every modern problem in our, in our society right now is bigotry and racism. doesn't matter what. It's just like saying, you know, having an ID to vote, having a driver's license to be able to vote, you know, is racist. Well, and where can so we find you online, Brian? That, <laughs> <laughs> well, but you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the exact, oh, yes. it's the same argument that, that they're saying. Wait, there's a great they're term saying for that. That, that. We call hmm. it the bigotry of low expectations. And that is precisely yeah, the, it, that is precisely how the Democrats and the left plays the bigotry of low You're saying if you're a woman, you can't drive to work. Like, Correct. show me statistics on that. If you're gay, now they're saying, well, it's less comfortable to be gay at work. Not at organizations like this. It's you. You, you put signs up in your your uh, in your cubicle, you know, with your, flags and everything else. There's no shame in it. Shouldn't be relevant at all at your job. I mean, that's like part of the whole. But the problem is they get they get to they get counselors. They get people that help them with their job if they are if they fit any of these qualifications. I don't. But they'll get a person who's like a cheerleader for them saying, how's work going for you today? Do you need any help with anything? Uh, they, they have people that actually are coaches for people that meet any of those criteria that I don't qualify for. How's that fair? That's what I'd like to know. Why do you need a coach? Why can't I have a coach too? Not that, not that my company does this, but I'm saying big organizations like Google and Apple and you know bigger organizations like that that are in that area of the tech industry if you're if you're a minority in any form in any sense you get special privileges beyond everyone else so how are you, how is anything for you being a disadvantage coming into work because you get more you get more perks than i do at the job yeah how's that a disadvantage you're right so i don't know that's just reality i mean that's just me looking at it in a very real lens it's the way life is. Welcome to 2023. And welcome to uh, where people can find you on the internet, Brian. All right. If you want to find me at Boise Computer on Twitter or at uh, Brian Aldridge on Gab, Parlor, Getter, Truth Social, if you want to get, check out my blog, biteoftech.com. And of course, go to our website, infectionpodcast.com. And if you want to join our Discord server, that's the perfect place that you can turn around and maybe post some, uh, some topics for the news uh, in our show news channel. That way we can review it before the live show if you want to have some input into what we talk about here. Uh, also, we have 11 ARC servers running, a Conan Exile server running. We have a politics channel, all kinds of things that you can do. Uh, if you want to watch the live show, you can do that through Twitch, YouTube. Uh, we also have a Rumble that gets uploaded too. And then for audio-only forms, that's the lower right-hand side. Pick whatever platform device is useful for you. 
And uh, the, after we complete the live show, those are uploaded there, and you can go and listen. If you are listening, that means that we have the show notes for that particular episode, so you can turn around and watch in the video player, the audio player, um, and uh, we've got uh, all the show notes for links, videos, everything that we show during the live show, we have a link for at the bottom. And so that'll help you if you are trying to do the low bandwidth and listen, uh, but want to see some of the things that we've discussed. And if you want to support us, there's a support option up top or infectionpodcast.com forward slash support. Yes, sir. Brian, thank you very much as always. Uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, we will see you next week. Hey, we'll see you later. All righty, folks. Well, yeah, that's it. I guess I don't really know where you go from there except down uh you can follow me on twitter at nicholas m craig you know i do this stuff for a living and it's amazing to me that it has drifted so far into to this sphere as well uh you can check my website out at nickcraig.com where you can check out my uh, daily political antics and rantings and and ravings of course if you missed any portion of this illustrious program there's only one place to go it's infectionpodcast.com thank you so much for joining us everybody have a great week we'll see you next time